0: Welcome to Connections, a McElroy podcast all about pipe fusion, where we tackle industry news, job site success stories, and more from the world of thermoplastic pipe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Connections, a McElroy manufacturing podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along to some quality, broader manufacturing industry thought leadership, as well as more specifically, thought leadership around the fusion side of the industry. As we continue to explore today's topic and get a little deeper on fusion in one specific market, which we'll reveal here in a second, I'd like to make sure you're getting all the McElroy content you desire. So make sure you're going to our website, McElroy.com. Again, that's M-C-E-L-R-O-Y.com. As well as subscribing to Connections on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for that full catalog of previous conversations, plus notifications when we drop new ones. And on our website, you can find more thought, leadership, and information on our solutions, services, more articles, blogs, podcasts, videos, and more. So on today's episode of the show, we're getting some market specific insights on our industry. And since quality durable piping and therefore fusion equipment touch on so many industries from construction to HVAC to energy and water utilities to mission critical applications, we thought it would be useful to ground some of the active opportunities as well as challenges that are facing these industrial sectors in one of McElroy's biggest markets. that market would be australia so australia right now is ripe with opportunity for innovative solutions to infrastructure challenges and with such a diverse geography and uh, different challenges to maneuvering that geography to lay quality piping australia we think is the perfect market to learn from and get an on the ground perspective on where fusion equipment and fusion work is having to get innovative, where it's being put to the test and how McElroy is making sure to keep quality high and innovate through some of those challenges. So here to give us those perspectives are two McElroy professionals from the Australian market. I'm pleased to welcome, and this is fun, the Sergios. We're joined by two Sergios. First up, Sergio Arellano, he's an international sales manager with McElroy and Sergio Yibrin, international tech service manager also with McElroy, again, both McElroy Australia, Sergio A. and Sergio Y. Great to have you both on. How are you all doing? Good,
1: good. Daniel, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a real pleasure getting to source your, again, on the ground insights from Australia, better understanding the dynamics of that market, but then also uh, interconnecting that with McElroy's specific equipment, some of their processes. And just doing all of this to benefit our listening audience to hopefully better understand how to put some of this equipment to the test and to best use to meet today's specific market needs. So I wanna start by making sure our audience understands the perspectives that both of you are bringing today. So let's kick things off by having you both tell uh, our audience a little bit about each of your careers and experience in the space. uh, Some of the various industries you've touched on during your uh, work and during your career and how this informs your perspective today. We'll start with Sergio A. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, yeah,
2: I'm an electronics engineer. Um, I'm from, uh, from Venezuela and originally worked in oil and gas operations. I worked uh, for about 17 years in a major uh, oil and gas service company. Uh, in 2004, I was transferred to Perth, Australia, where I live currently. Um, and in 2012, I started working for McEroy where I took on the role of international sales manager for McElroy in Asia-Pacific. So my job is to supervise sales of uh, McElroy equipment in Asia-Pacific. Some of my roles include uh, trying to set up distributors in Asia-Pacific countries, and in countries where we don't have distributors, sell equipment directly to uh, end users.
0: Now, same question over to our other guest, Mr. Sergio Y. Give us a little bit of perspective on your career, some of the touch points and industries you've served and how that informs your perspective today.
1: Yeah, so I'm a mechanical engineer uh, from Venezuela as well. Um, You know, I I got my experience back into the manufacturing industry, working for companies that were assembling uh, chassis for the automotive sector. Um, you know, I, in these areas, again, again, a lot of experience in hydraulics, electric house, assembly, production line, things like that. And then back in 2013, I decided to migrate to Australia. And back in 2014, then I, got, uh, uh, I took on the role with McElroy. Uh, and since then, I've been just helping customers all around the, uh, the world, mainly in Asia Pacific uh, as well know uh, in, in trainings doing uh, troubleshootings commissionings and this type of thing so kind of the after sale uh, services that we that we do
0: all right Sergio team thank you so much for the information I appreciate it uh, so let's go ahead and break down the Australian market a little better for our audience I want to get to know uh, the dynamics of the market. So I'm wondering if you can set the scene for our listeners on what differentiates Australia from other industrialized nations, but in terms of uh, some of their infrastructure opportunities and challenges and how that interconnects with um, specifically fusion work and the work you all do. I'll follow up with a few other specifics, but give us that general overview to start.
2: Yes, Daniel, uh, as you probably know, Australia is a very big country. It's almost as big as the U.S but we only have less than 10% of the population the U.S. have. Uh, And all this population is concentrated mostly uh, along the coasts, so very little uh, big towns or population inland. We also have a lot of resources that require operations to take place inland, Uh, so some of these operations can be very remote. most of the uh inland uh, Australia is desert with very uh very harsh weather, you know, very remote operations, very remote, um uh, uh very harsh uh, environment. We also have a growing population. We have a population that's growing very fast, so many uh utility projects like water distribution pipelines, sewerage, gas distribution pipelines are normally being upgraded uh, to cater for this growing uh, population. Continuously growing. It's a country that's always always growing. We also have uh, a lot of resources that require operations to take place inland, in very remote places. And uh, we also have... Uh, many uh, large-scale irrigation projects in states like Victoria or Tasmania, where large quantities of water that would normally run into the sea are being diverted and pumped inland to uh, irrigate large uh, extensions of land, lots of farms being irrigated by these large um, irrigation projects so uh in general lots of different operations and markets that give the australian um, uh, market uh, a very good balance when it comes to hdp operations so very busy and very diverse in general
1: yes and and i think uh, Sergio to add to that i'll say that um you know australia has a is a very remote place uh, as you mentioned and that includes uh, you know a lot of uh, or involves a lot of high cost related to that not only for you know anything related to rental the, the rental of the equipment uh, maintenance and, and the cost of the labor so these are are really high costs associated with the with the remote remoteness of, of australia um so therefore productivity and efficiency are key uh in this market um just because we basically uh need to be as efficient as possible um um because you know to to overcome those high costs uh involved and therefore macro you know really really shines in these areas uh you know with the new the incorporation of the i-series and the automation um you know the vault the deal seven and the track stars i think we we're really really um efficient in that matter um, and also, I believe that reliability is also really important. So you know, being on the on the tech support and making sure that all equipment you know works correctly around the uh, around Australia and Asia Pacific, Macaro is also really good in that sense. And, and therefore, you know, if you are in a remote place um, and you got a da- you know a piece of equipment that gets damaged, then you know every any downtime. Uh, will cost you a fortune so you know making sure that everything works properly is also uh, really important um, and i believe that uh, safety here uh, is is key you know even though safety is equally important all around the world uh we've got a lot of regulations here in australia that require that equipment to be very specifically inspected and specifically modified when the you know the asset owner really ask for uh, these specifications so you know this is really sometimes really tough and but our distributors then play a really key role in this matter because they are the ones that are going to be modifying and adapting the equipment to meet these regulations for every specific client um, and just bear in mind that these specifications may change from client to client so you know this is also i guess part of the, the whole picture of australia And so if you to get an idea uh, is even getting a driver's license here in Australia is is complicated. So you have to go through a process of, you know, first getting a, a learner's permit, which you you need to pass a test, get a learner's permit, you have to put a sticker on the car, and then drive for I don't know a month or so, and then after that you have to take a test, and then you pass the test, and then they give you another sticker, which is a red P, P sticker, and then you have to drive that for. 24 months or 12 months, and then you get a green piece sticker, and then that one is the 12 months or the 24. I can't remember exactly which one they ordered, but so you get 36 months with the sticker, and then after that, and when you can get the final, you know, driver's license. So you know, even that process is kind of complicated here.
0: I want to follow up on a few of those things. You obviously mentioned the vastness of the country, varying scenery, long distances. Can you give us just a granular example of how that creates some complications or challenges in laying fresh pipe uh, and some of the ways that McElroy deals with that?
2: There are are very specific operations. that are different uh, here in Australia. For example, um, the, the way uh, normally we lay pipe is the fuse and pull uh, method. Normally, we fuse the pipe and pull it along the machine. Uh, here in Australia, regulations uh, don't allow us to do that. Uh, so, we are, uh, so we use uh, more specifically the pipelining process, which is where we fuse the pipe and drive the machine to the next, uh, to, to next weld. Little things like that are very, uh, uh, very different from other operations in, in uh, some other countries. Uh, also providing bulletproof equipment and, and, and top uh, service, training, port, maintenance, all of that is, is uh, uh, very unique here in Australia, different, uh, different challenges as we mentioned earlier.
0: Just to keep things timely, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on COVID. Everyone's sick of talking about it at this point, but there have been plenty of COVID complications to large scale uh, infrastructure projects. And this is across the world, not Australia specific, but I'm wondering how that has affected the Australian market and also changed some of the dynamics of fusion work specifically. Are there any industries that have been using pipe fusion extensively that got hit? With some of those supply chain challenges or on-site delays, and how has that changed the dynamics of your work,
2: Sergio? You, you want to elaborate a little bit on that?
0: Um, so we
1: basically, um, so we, we basically got so huge big, big challenges in this in this regard, right? So uh, as all industries and all companies, um, you know, we, we went through a phase of adapting ourselves to you know modifying our processes how we were going to train people as you know before we normally you know travel to sites and just do the training on site and that was kind of the the way of doing things but obviously after COVID, we had to modify ourselves modify our process sorry and do differently and uh, you know it took a bit of time to get there but um, after a while we we managed to change our processes and, de- and do things differently and i think you know one of the best examples was the commissioning of the i-series here in australia um you know as you know in, in a different way from from us we we are still doing lockdowns right so it's a different approach from from the us so basically right now in australia you know if there is a COVID case in any city uh the government's just shut down the city basically they go into lockdown, and, and you cannot travel uh, to this city from another city in Australia, like right? so. We at the moment we are in lockdown with different states, and we can only travel uh, freely to three of the states here in Australia. Um, and so, you know, this obviously presents uh, extra an extra layer of challenges uh, when it comes to training, commissioning, this and in and this type of thing. So when we brought the i series, you know, obviously we, we were really excited here. Uh, and we wanted to be present, you know, doing the commissioning and all that, you know, receiving the machines, testing them, et cetera. But we were not able to travel because, you know, there were restrictions in place. So we had to manage and we have to, you know, create a special process for doing these commissionings. But it was great, you know, at the end we learned a lot and it was awesome because we we have a big team in the US with a machine that we got our team here in, in, in Australia with, you know, the equipment. And basically we we both we were um you know working online and at the end it was great a
0: great process and i think it was um you know a great result at the end and then last but not least i want to intersect some other timely news from the australian market Uh, i know there's been a lot of large diameter pipe jobs booming in australia as of late Uh, a lot of major infrastructure projects being funded and occurring across the country can you give, uh, give us a little context on which ones are uh, really drawing a lot of attention or a lot of on-site work, and why are they taking off now versus earlier? What's that extra context?
2: Yes, uh, Daniel. Well, well, we as, as we've mentioned earlier, uh, many of these um, projects are really remote projects, and, and it's not strange to see 20, 20 kilometers extend uh very very easily in some of these projects so 12 to 13 miles but requirements in operations have made these projects need to go bigger and bigger Uh, this is starting to happen now since there is um, larger and larger pipe readily available from many pipe manufacturers all over the world so the need to weld um, these project, this larger pipe uh, efficiently safely and with very good quality arises but we've been re- approached by some of the uh, uh, project owners and asked look we, we're very confident welding 630 mil pipe or 900 mil pipe which is about say 24 inches or 36 inches but can we weld this larger pipe as efficiently and as safely? And we've shown them that using our equipment, these processes involved in in the construction of these pipelines are very similar. So they don't, there's no need to rewrite processes with uh, with a different um, with different procedures. That's been very handy. Uh, we've had, um, for example. Uh, A couple of uh, weeks ago, we had a a very large project where we had uh, two Megamax 1600 machines welding 1.6-meter pipe at the same time. Uh, We also have a a very nice project coming up with one-meter pipe. The combination of these two little projects uh, are going to be about 55 kilometers, so about 34 miles of one-meter pipe. Having TrackStar machines... to to do this type of work is very handy because our customers are very confident that they don't have to rewrite all these processes to to, to build these very large pipelines. And it's very similar to welding smaller pipes. So uh, we see a lot of these larger and larger projects uh, showing up
0: nowadays. All right. Thank you for all that context, y'all, and you actually teed me up really well for a few other subtopics we're going to touch on here in a little bit, including uh, some of that track star equipment and other specific pieces of equipment that line up well with the work we're seeing in Australia. I want to intersect another timely uh, piece of news that is impacting various industries across the globe. So again, this is not Australia specific, but I wanna get that Australia specific angle. So we're in the middle of a skilled labor gap with compounding issues to that gap. This includes things like uh, an aging out of an old guard of professionals in industries like this, uh, some COVID hiring challenges, as well as just broader retention challenges from some of the pressures placed on various industries during the pandemic and sort of a, a restructure of priorities around what professionals want out of their careers right so in turn this is now leading to high labor costs which is putting a focus on productivity and efficiency especially to retain the employees still around now to add another layer with efficiency there needs to be another dedication to avoiding drops in quality and drops in safety. So there's all these sort of domino effects that come from just one major issue. I'm wondering how these compounding challenges are being represented in the Australian market specifically, and then how McElroy is responding. Give us your thoughts.
2: It all comes down to being able to do these projects more efficiently, safely and with more quality. as you mentioned uh, all of these uh, compounding um, situations make high cost of the uh, the operation very very expensive so rental costs, labor costs, all of these add up so being able to do the project in six months instead of a year, that uh, is very critical, but not only doing that, but doing it safely and with very good quality. Uh, also, being able to respond to challenges in the operations like machines breaking down or being able to provide parts and doing training without the ability to travel. These are all things that we, we are contributing to, uh, to the operation with.
0: I want to intersect McElroy now a little bit more specifically. You all have done a good job of uh, teasing a little bit some of the specifics McElroy has done to maneuver these opportunities as well as uh, intricate dynamics of the Australian market. But there's one particularly new concept from McElroy that was launched last year around mid-pandemic. This is called McElroy optimized cooling. I want to bring this up because not only is it an interesting concept, it's an algorithm that helps calculate in real time appropriate cool times based on material properties being worked with on site. So it's very relevant to fusion happening in the moment on site. But I'm wondering if you can also expand for us uh, just on the solution and the concept, some of the reasonings why this is. a useful addition to the McElroy suite of solutions, and more importantly, how does this concept tie into some of the changes and opportunities we've been talking about in the Australian market specifically?
2: Yeah, Daniel. Well, I'll give you a quick uh, a quick summary of uh, the fusion process, and then we'll focus on a little bit more on the cooling part. So the the, the butt fusion process it ha- involves several several uh, procedures. The first one is shaving off the ends of the pipe to make them completely parallel and to get rid of any contamination or uh, oxidation in the pipe. Then we melt the ends of the pipe. So we heat them under a certain temperature for a certain time. These depend on the welding standards that you're using and the pipe that you're welding, the OD and thickness of it. Then we uh, remove this heater plate and we push both ends on the pipe together on the pressure, what happens here is the plastic material melts and uh, the, the plastic material mixes, sorry, it's, it mixes together and then we let it cool down under a certain pressure for certain time, which depends on the welding standard and the pipe being fused uh, uh, as well. While trying to optimize this cooling process, we learned that the, this uh, cooling takes, takes place very quickly on the initial t- stages of that uh, cooling process. Uh, and then it sort of plateaus and, and keeps cooling down a lot slower. Uh, we also found that this behavior is the same for all diameters of pipe and all thicknesses of pipes and can be heavily affected by the ambient temperature, the pipe temperature and the temperature and time to which that pipe was heated. So uh, what we did with McElroy optimized cooling was come up with this this algorithm that calculates that point in time and then add a big safety margin to come up with a final cooling time, which is a lot smaller than the cooling time for many other uh, welding standards Uh, we did a lot of testing um, and uh, test joints while coming uh, up with this um, final procedure and all of these uh, passed with flying colors we here in australia specifically we provided all this data to many customers and encouraged them to do this testing and uh, they, they go through this approval process, and we found that they came to the same conclusions. So uh, some of these uh, large coal seam gas projects, or, or coal bed methane, as you call them in, in the in the U.S., uh, have gone through this testing and approval process and are 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 very well ahead uh, of of the approval process so we're very close to start producing pipelines using the macro optimized cooling in the coal seam gas industry uh, we also have uh, several customers in the mining sector which have gone through this same testing and approval process uh, so very exciting times for the macro uh, optimized cooling not only uh, globally, but more specifically here in Australia, uh, Sergio, what you want to um, expand a little bit on the cost and, and time savings that the McElroy optimized cooling can provide to the project owners? Yeah, for
1: sure. So I think that's uh, one of the you know kind of the easiest way of, of seeing this improvement. Is to understand the, the cost savings that this actually is bringing to our customers, and that's what uh, really gets us excited because it, for us is really you know kind of disruptive in this market um, because basically these can give you a lot of savings, and I'm just going to give you an example of uh, you know of a pipe that you know you can be building in, in Australia or in the US. So let, let's let's take an example of a six thirty millimeter OV pipe, which is about um, twenty four inches um uh, that will be an sdr11 okay so with with this pipe if if you want to fuse this pipe with the regular standard let's say iso 21307 which is the similar to the astm f2620 in the us okay without the cooling time that will take uh, about 24 minutes to actually fuse this pipe okay on the on the on the cooling time only and uh if you do this with the optimized cooling it will take you only 11 minutes so you can see now there is a big difference there, uh, which in, you know, in a total process of the fusion, it will reduce the time for about you know, 15 minutes per weld. Um, and if you take a day, the, let's say a 10 hours day, which is a, a normal shift when you're working on, on, on a mine site here in Australia, uh, it will, it will you know, allow you to make 20 welds with the optimized cooling instead of 13 welds. Okay, so you can see that there is a difference of seven welds per day, which, you know, every two days you can save one day, right? So that's kind of a really good savings there. And if you, if you take a pipeline of, let's say, five kilometers or three miles, right, that you want to weld that, that pipeline, um, it will take you about 40, 44, 42 days to do it with the optimized cooling versus the 62 days that it will take you with the normal standard. So you're talking about 20 more days. Just in the same pipeline that you're gonna be saving in rental equipment, which is you know really cost costly. Um, you're also gonna save on the labor, which is gonna be obviously a lot lower. And so for Australian projects, this is really key. And it's gonna be, you know, the, the the you know, the companies that are gonna be using this type of technology are gonna be leading the market.
0: And that's what get us excited about, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean those. Opportunities are going to elevate your work and uh, the opportunity to curate your technologies and solutions to meet upcoming needs and stay ahead of that curve is also incredibly exciting. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how optimized cooling continues to prove to be a useful concept in practice. Uh, you know, when McElroy launched this concept in the first place, I know it was backed by a lot of proprietary data and research. And even now that it's live, we see Australian professionals doing their own testing, giving feedback on does this concept work in practice, where and why and how to maximize it. So I'd like to review some of that data if you don't mind. Have you seen a significant time or cost savings from this concept being put to work for operators and project owners? And if so, what are some of the domino effects this is creating? I know you gave us a bit of an overview there, but maybe if you want to ground in on one specific example of this at work to uh, enhance your answer?
2: Typically, large tier one projects will uh, will dictate the norm on how future projects are done. So having these big coal seam gas projects or big mining projects adopt these uh, processes, we're thinking that we will, will uh, create, as you mentioned, Daniel, a domino effect that that will um, cause this uh, uh, procedure to be adopted in more industries. We've seen that in the past with uh, at the adoption of uh, other uh, welding standards in Australia. So we're we're thinking that this will be this uh, adoption process will have a similar route, uh, cascading down from large tier one projects into smaller and smaller projects. We're we're just waiting to see, we start producing coal seam gas pipelines at the moment with the McElroy optimized
0: cooling. We're we're about to start doing that. To continue this conversation point, let's uh, talk shop on some more specific equipment. I'm wondering, are there any particular pieces of fusion equipment you see um, dealing with Australia's regulatory or project dynamics well especially in the current context of deep into uh, 2021 at this point, we're in Q4, some of the legacies of COVID persisting and just other general market dynamics and crunches going on. So again, any particular pieces of fusion equipment really standing out as relevant to the Australian market? If so, where and why?
1: Terry, do you wanna touch base on the track stars first?
0: Uh, As we mentioned
2: earlier, track stars are, uh, a very unique uh, uh, pieces of machinery. Uh, and and as I said, uh, there's two different ways just to illustrate why truck stars are so popular here in Australia. We mentioned that uh, there's two ways of welding pipe. One of them is fuse and pull where you fuse uh, in the fuse and pull procedure, you have a stock of pipe in in one location and you every time you weld a piece of pipe you lift up the pipe with the mach- with the pipe pipe lifts the machines have pipe lifts with rollers in them uh and you pull the pipe through the machine this pipe finally uh, uh rests on rollers which are located on the floor along the way of where the pipeline is going to go so every time we bring a piece of pipe weld the pipe, lift it up and pull it. That's the fuse and pull um, um, method. Another way of doing this is moving the machine along the pipeline. So you lay the pipe in the direction where the pipeline is gonna go and you move the machine from weld to weld. That's that procedure, Uh, we call it pipelining. So the track stars are the perfect machine for doing this. Uh, due to many regulations, the fuse and pull method is not uh, generally accepted here in Australia. So the pipelining method is the, is the preferred method and track stars are the ideal machine for that. Larger, larger uh, track star machines have remote control. So you can actually remote control the track star from one weld to the next. Uh, that's why popular uh, track stars are so popular here in australia we are uh, in australia we have some of the largest fleets of track stars in the world with more than 300 track stars on the ground here in australia
1: yeah and and i think to add to that daniel um you know even though track stars kind of get all the attention um we also have another piece of equipment that is key and is really important in, in most of the projects here, uh, and that one is uh, the Dynamax machines. So Dynamax machines play a key, a key role because um, you know when when they're trying to build big pipelines, normally they do these pipelines in sections, right? They they make like two hundred meter sections of pipe, and then they do this in you know obviously in different areas, and they they need to make these uh, connections. They need to connect these pipelines together, and so here in australia what they do is they grab these dynamic machines uh and they put it in the back of the youth. so a youth is a pickup here in australia that's how we call them um and so basically they put this machine in the back of the youth and they go and you know do a fuse in this section and then they just drive 200 meters with the car in the with the dynamic in the youth and then just you know take the take the carriage down to the fill and do the next fusion and they keep going right so they can they can be doing this and this is called tie-in okay this is how what we call tying. it's like when you're doing a, a, yeah, a union between two sections of pipe, or when you're making um you know union uh, fusing a, a small section to a main pipeline okay so also this is called a tang. so basically this is a, a, a very important and key uh, process that we do here and it's not that drugstores cannot do it, but obviously it's quicker if you if you can drive your car with the with a machine in the back of the youth and just go quickly and do this, right? And so obviously, um, you know, with the years, um, we we hear a lot of feedback from our customers, and we work, you know, with them. We went to the field, uh, research what we were doing, and and basically we came up with the latest version of the dynamo, which is you know lightweight um you know easy to use more robust you know basically the the operators don't have to take the you know the hydraulics from from the back of the U. they have everything on the U and they only have to take the carriage which is very easy to carry and just they just do the fusions on the on the field so that that's very very also very popular uh piece of equipment here in australia
0: i appreciate y'all giving us the Trackstar and the uh, dynamac context there. Um, you know, I know you've been refining those pieces of equipment to meet these specific market and industry needs, which I know has proved very effective for your end users. You know, I want to highlight one specific kind of, I guess, intersection here between Australia, some broader federal regulations, and then also the day-to-day processes of laying down pipe. So I know many people listening in our audience were familiar with this work, uh, maybe more familiar with the fuse and pull methodology, as opposed to pipelining methodology for laying uh, large stretches of pipe. In Australia, though, due to some regulations, the more common practice now is to pipeline rather than to use the fuse and pull methodology, which means Australia now has some of the largest fleets of track stars Give us some more context on this rollout, how this lined up well for Australia and uh, why track stars are proving to be more beneficial for specifically the Australian market.
2: Well, Daniel, yeah, like, like we described uh, earlier, um, tracks are, are, more, are more well suited for the pipelining uh, method, which, which is where driving the machine uh, along the direction of, uh, of where the pipeline is going to go. We have a new uh, generation of TrackStar machines called uh, the i-Series. So we have uh, the new TrackStar 630i, TrackStar 900i and the TrackStar 1200i, which is the new generation of TrackStar machines. We've, we've listened to our uh, customers and, and um, tried to incorporate all this information that we gathered from uh australian and not only Australia, but operations worldwide and uh, many of these regulations that are very important here in australia have been applied to this new generation of uh track star machines so the i series is the the next generation of track stars and it's been very well accepted in the australian uh market because Many of the uh, requirements, safety requirements, and safety modifications that were done to um, older, uh, the legacy Trackstar equipment, are have all been incorporated into our new Trackstar. So, are part of integral part of the stock machine. So, it's very, very um, well suited to the Australian market, and um, some of the features on it are specifically. Uh, requirements from the Australian
0: market. All right, Sergio Y, Sergio A, that about does it for our conversation today. I have one more question for y'all. Uh, Sergio Y, I'm actually going to toss this your way, and I'm open to hear Sergio A's answer as well. But Sergio Y, you may be able to speak to this a little better. As a technology manager, I'm curious how McElroy has adjusted the changes that were brought on by COVID specifically around continued education, professional training, and making sure that folks on site that are putting this fusion equipment to work know the intricacies of how to use, uh, you know, the equipment, obviously to put it to work in an Australian context and uh, maneuver any potential challenges they might encounter on site. So Tell us a little bit about some of the shifts you've made in that training and professional education to uh, the benefit of your end users and where that leaves McElroy today.
1: Yeah, for sure. So well, as, you know, as we discussed, we obviously had to do now a lot of, um, a lot of our training have to be done online and, and obviously we have to shift from doing things, uh, you know, always like, you know, visiting you know, clients and all that, and trying to do more, more sort of stuff. Uh, doing it online, and so we we have to obviously you know buy all these equipment and gear to kind of start learning how to do an online conference and, and what's or not. But basically, I mean, you know, after all this investment and all that, you know, he, here in Australia, one of the one of the challenges I guess, and one of the things that we have to overcome was uh, the fact that people like to. They, they were they were used to for us to come to site and, and visit them and, and do the trainings on site right so we are doing the same thing that we're doing in in the us like we're doing a part of the training has has to be done online and then part of the training has to be done with the with the client when possible when we are able to travel um, and so obviously bringing all these technology online is saving us time because it allows us to kind of do part of the training beforehand so we can actually be more efficient when we travel. Uh, and in case there is a lockdown, we are able to manage you know, quicker because instead of spending maybe two days with or three days with a the client, then we might just spend one day with them, do the, the hands-on or the testing and, and then come back home, right? But you know, just to give you an example um, you know, of how things can play out here. So to travel from the West Coast to the East Coast uh, here in Australia, so that will be from Perth to uh, Brisbane, uh, that will take us about four and a half hours of, of flight, okay? And so then, you know, I have this um, this training that had to be done in, in Northern Queensland, okay? And so I had to travel from Perth to Brisbane, it took us four and a half hours, and I have to tra- take another flight from, um, you know, from Brisbane, uh, so, sorry, from Brisbane to Cairns, and that took us another two and a half hours, then from Cairns to another city, which is called Huepa and there was about another hour and a half, and then from WEPA to the, to the side, then I had to take a, you know, like a bus, and then from that bus I have to take a ferry, and then I finally go to the place, right? So that was like flying directly from Dallas to Sydney, you know, in total length of time, plus the waiting times. And, uh, you know, in our environment, you know, is uh, we are just traveling within Australia, but if you get a lockdown in the middle, you know, get things, you know, things can get complicated. So that's why we have now, the bird let's say we are very subtle so we we kind of do it like that we kind of go to the side which is what we prefer we actually like to go there and just visit them and kind of do things with the client but if it's not possible we have all the tools and gear and technology to do it online and just have our customers and offer the same level of service
2: uh also daniel just just to elaborate a bit more on that idea uh some of these uh sites some of these uh mining sites or coal seam gas sites have very strict regulations to get into this site. So normally you have to make a very long induction, probably a whole day of inductions before you're allowed on sites. So having having the ability now that, that we are used to doing more uh, of this uh, training or troubleshooting online makes it very, very easy to come in contact with the customer and, uh, without the ability of going through all those procedures to get into site not only the travel part but the inductions and the permits to get into location
0: yeah that's right and i'm sure the market isn't going to slow down with changes and new opportunities so all of that training will continue to adapt and continue to meet the needs of your end users and professionals putting fusion equipment to work for australia So we'll keep our ear to the ground on some of those upcoming changes as well. But till then, Sergio A, Sergio Y, I think that does it for our conversation today. So thank you so much to the two of you for thought leadership, exploring the broader Australian market, how fusion equipment is being put to work for various industries, how McElroy is lining up its solutions and equipment to meet those specific Australian market needs and how that is creating some domino effects for the future. So for our audience, again, we've been speaking with Sergio Arellano, international sales manager, and Sergio Yibrin, international tech service manager, both with McElroy, Australia and Sergio A, Sergio Y. If folks want to find out a little bit more about uh, McElroy's solutions and equipment and services in Australia or in general, how can they get in touch with either of you or how can they just learn more in general? Well, they can look us up in
2: um, www.makroy.com, where we have a very nice uh, web page with lots of information about products, technical support, all of that, and uh, and we will be there in the web page. They can look us up, or all of our distributors, not only in Australia but worldwide. So be be uh, be free to uh, feel free to look us up.
0: I love it. Easy enough. All right, Sergio, Sergio, great to be chatting with the two of you. And I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. you. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Connections, a McElroy manufacturing podcast. If you like what you heard and saw, and you'd like some previous McElroy manufacturing pieces of content, or you want to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes of Connections, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as heading to our website, McElroy.com. Again, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y.com for all of the information you'll need and some great McElroy content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Connections, a McElroy manufacturing podcast.